Well, our teaching series, Until We Depart, is called Anchored in Hope. And Reed did a great job of getting us uh, going in that direction. Uh, reminder, in a few moments, we like to have a conversation, not just me talking at you, but to allow you to give some space to feedback. That'll happen through a text message exchange. That number will come up here in a moment again. If you're able, would you stand with me as we read our scriptures this morning? You read the words in yellow. I'll read the words in white. Isaiah 33, 6. In that day... He will be your sure foundation, providing a rich store of salvation, wisdom, and knowledge. The fear of the Lord will be your treasure. James 1, 2 through 4, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hmm. You can be seated. Today's message, weathering storms with hope. Weathering storms with hope. Yeah. So storms hit every single person. When Donnie and I were first married... Um, which is starting to become some time ago. <laughs> I worked for Ethan Allen. Anybody Ethan Allen Furniture? Yep. We lived in Southern California, and I was uh, a delivery driver assistant. And at 6.30 a.m. every morning, we would load the trucks and then uh, with dozens of pieces of furniture, and we would deliver them all over Orange and Los Angeles County. I would usually return home around 6, a long day, hard work, a lot of sitting in Southern California traffic. Now, I didn't like the job per se, but I did like the overtime pay and the fact that Donya would be able to begin her senior year of college um, not having to work a part-time job in addition to being the ASB secretary, in addition to a full load of classes, in addition to the difficult job of being my wife and the difficult uh, student teaching assignments she had uh, ahead of her. So we were also soon to discover that Donya was pregnant. And then the storm hit. I showed up to work. There were no trucks to load. We were called into a meeting. We were given two weeks severance pay. I traveled home. I went to my wife's work and she said, what are you doing here? And I said, I have some news. I wish I could have qualified that with good. But it was the news of a storm. I had lost my job. And I was not able to secure a job that paid as well. And so Donya was thrust into a raging storm. We were. A financial storm. A relational storm. It took a while to find a new job. And Donya's load went from busy to impossible. And this put strain on our young relationship I've said before, we weren't very good at being married in the beginning, something we grew into. And really, it became a crisis of faith. Storms will hit every single person. Finances, health, relationships, mental health, spiritual storms. 
And then our society, we all together, we hit these storms too. Healthcare, how do we do healthcare? Political storms, social justice storms, equality, equity, freedom. While each of us hits storms, we also culturally have ways of dealing with them. And I want to point out three. This is the ways that we deal with them. First of all, we have a great habit in our culture of avoidance, or what we could just nickname the Netflix binge, okay? So Neil Postman, you've heard me quote him before. He wrote a great book called Amusing Ourselves to Death. And he wrote extensively about the impact of technology on our society. And his thoughts should be considered because his insights continue to provide valuable perspectives on the effects of media and technology in our lives. He argued that our lives are so heavily influenced by technology, and this is, results in a society that prioritizes entertainment over education, and it prior to, prior to, prioritizes superficiality over substance. This can be seen in how we often try to distract ourselves from storms in our lives rather than confronting them head on. Avoidance. I think we need to avoid avoidance. If we're going to exercise avoidance, we need, or we need to exercise it by avoiding avoidance. Second, we have another way, another habit in our culture, and it's out of this habit of individualism. We could nickname this, take my ball and go home. I'll be by myself. I'll figure it out on my own. Stanley Hauerwas is another person that I've quoted to you extensively. He's a prominent Christian theologian and ethicist who challenges modern cultural assumptions and emphasizes the importance of community. Somebody say community. community. Make his, his thoughts are certainly weighty and we should consider them. This quote here from Stanley Hauerwas. We seek the visible church, a place clearly visible to the world in which people are faithful to their promises. Somebody say amen. In which people love their enemies. They tell the truth. They honor the poor. They suffer for righteousness. And here it is. And thereby testify to the amazing community creating power of God. The church has no interest in withdrawing from the world, but it is not surprised when its witness evokes hostility from the world. He argues the priority and the importance of community and how it can su provide support through difficult times. He argues that our individualistic society has led to a lack of meaningful connections with others, and this can make it more difficult to weather storms because we end up alone. You've heard the phrase, like if you're on the ocean, water, water everywhere, but not a drop to drink. You know, the population of the world is bigger than ever. People, people everywhere, but not a friend in the world. Our habit towards individualism takes us away from the connective tissue of life that we need, the others around us. We need to cultivate community. And then... A final thing I'll point out about the way we deal with storms and stresses and possible dynamics. Let's just call this helicopter parents. This is overprotection. <laughs> and now this does affect parenting. But what I want to point out more than anything is that we are difficulty averse. We are safety first. Everybody say safety first. <laughs> 
But if you follow Jesus, he invites you out into the storm. He invites you out onto the water. He invites you to go to where you are and don't know where you are going. He invites you. He says things like this. When you were young, you thought you knew what you were up to. But in the end, you will die at somebody else's hands. He's saying this to Peter who was re-accepting his call to discipleship to Jesus. And Jesus is telling him, because you're following me, you ultimately die. And then Jesus says these things like, if you are persecuted for my sake, you are blessed. I think the way of Jesus confronts our overprotective, try to have a safe and pain-free existence. Jonathan Haidt writes quite a bit about this. And he suggests that we are becoming a flimsy culture because we refuse to actually go into the storm. We spend our lives uh, trying to avoid them or protect ourselves from them. We need to revitalize resilience. That's what I think. And we're gonna come back to these as we move through the scriptures today. We're bouncing off of Acts 20 as we think about weathering storms with hope. And Paul, at this point in his ministry career, has hit some major storms. We described it last week, but in Ephesus, where he ministered and there was an amazing effect happening, there became a storm because people in the city were very disappointed that their economy was disrupted because of the way of Jesus uh, 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 informing people that they should no longer be purchasing idols. <laughs> and so this man named Demetrius made a big stink about it. And now there's a riot in the city and Paul has just endured that. And he decides that the Lord is calling him to Jerusalem and then on to Rome. And so there's a storm that he's gone through. The people in Ephesus are sending him. They're disappointed by this. It is a difficulty that they are coming into. And we'll just read a few verses as we uh, go through how to weather a storm with hope. Paul says, I am now bound by the spirit to go to Jerusalem. Notice what he says here. I don't know what awaits me, except that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. And then he has like this kind of moment of awareness in his line of thought. But you know what? My life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. I don't know what lies ahead, but it's going to be a storm. Continuing this metaphor of a ship at sail on an adventure into the unknown, let's consider that as we go into the storm, the whole of the ship is like faith. The lighthouse, like hope. The wind that powers us is like love. And we're bouncing off what Paul says. These three remain, faith, hope, and love. Faith is like the whole of the ship. So Paul was bound by the Spirit. I don't know what awaits me. And this is the life of every Jesus follower. We are always stepping into the unknown. I almost sang Frozen 2 for you guys, but I just, I just decided. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's enough of that, guys. That's enough. William, I'm giving you more things to impersonate. Just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Do I use my hands a lot? 
All right. Let's see how I, I can do here. I don't need my hands. Faith is not wishing. <laughs> Faith is the practice of trusting the one who holds the foundation of the earth in his hands. As we go through the storms of life, we must trust the whole of the ship. The whole of the ship, it splits every wave. The whole of the ship is a firm foundation. It is established in Jesus Christ. Paul calls faith, he calls it the shield of faith in Ephesians 6, talking about the armor of God. And the shield of faith is able to extinguish the fiery darts of the enemy. It is the shield of faith that we erect when the enemy hurls lies at us. And one of the prominent lies that he speaks to us is, you shouldn't have to go through something like this. Huaka! I lift the shield of faith because I'm going into the unknown. I'm going beyond what I can see. I don't know, I know you're all just caught up in all sorts of my mannerisms so far, but I hope the word penetrates to your hearts right now that the whole of the ship will split every wave that comes our way. The lies of the enemy, the temptation to, to question God, the temptation to doubt that he is good. Faith says like Paul, I don't know what awaits me, but in trust and allegiance to the King of Kings and to the Lord of Lords, I go. I don't know what comes, but I believe in faith that God will split every wave. He will open up every pathway that is needed for me as I go through it. Isaiah 33, six, we just read this. In that day, he will be your sure foundation, providing a rich store of salvation, wisdom, and knowledge. The fear of the Lord will be your treasure. James 1, 2 through 4. <laughs> Imagine if James is your pastor. This is the second verse that he says to you. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces something. Endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. You cannot gain real faith by avoidance, consumption, overprotection. Rather, gritty and real faith is built by avoiding avoidance, cultivating community, and revitalizing resilience. The second, weathering the storm with hope. Hope is the lighthouse. Now, this whole series is based upon hope being the anchor. So we're going to allow hope to have multiple metaphors here. So. <laughs> and I think we can all follow along. The human language is amazing. It is the right side of your brain that understands the metaphor and helps the left side of your brain to be able to articulate what it means. And so I will no longer explain it to your left side. I will trust the right side of your brain to put it all together for you. And recent studies suggest that actually men are better at that than women. And men, if you said amen right now and you're not signed up for the men's retreat, you need to get there right now. I had you listening for a second. You need to get to the men's retreat. You have, you have like 12 hours to make that decision. Just do it. That's right. Into the unknown. All right. 
I don't even know what happened. Okay. There we go. Now, we have talked, if you've sat under our teaching ministry for, since we've been here, we've talked about the fact that we are teleological beings. And what that means is that we are beings that see something and we go in that direction. We're just created to do that. And that is, we move towards what our eyes are on. So it's really important what is at the, in front of us. And actually, we become like what our eyes are on. That's actually how we form. And this is why it's so important to gather as a faith community. It's so important to read the scriptures. It's so important to take the sacraments and receive communion because it puts Jesus front and center. As we, as we move towards him, as our eyes are fixed on him, we become more and more like him. The lighthouse of Jesus. The lighthouse in the midst of the storm. Jesus said this about himself. He used this metaphor to describe, he says, I am the light of the world. I am the lighthouse of the world. In John 8, 12, Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Look how bright this is when all is dark. Jesus Christ is the light of your life. And in the storm, it gets dark. In the storm, everything feels like loss. But it is trust and faith in him that will weather us through every storm. In the dark, we need to only find the light. We go through storms and sometimes all feels lost, all feels hopeless, all feels even extinguished. Let me read this to you. This is Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely to us and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us. Here it is, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. And he's taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such hostility against himself from sinners so that you may not grow weary or lose heart. Jesus himself moved into difficulty for the sake. You see, you cannot gain real hope by avoiding, by consumption, overprotection, rather gritty and real hope is done by avoiding avoidance, cultivating community and revitalizing resilience. Our final point of weathering the storm, love, which is like the wind. Paul said, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others. Everybody say others. Others. The good news about the wonderful grace of God. We need the wind to take us through the storms. 
Catching the wind and helping us to guide through the storms is so important. It's what drives us. Christ's love is actually what compels us. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 5. He says, if we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. Notice the others. For Christ's love compels us. It drives us because we're convinced that one died for all, that's others, and therefore all, that is others, died. And he died for all, that is others, and those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them, that is others, and was raised again. You see, we don't go through our storms for the sake of ourselves. The other side of the storm is not just about us, but it is about the people that we are sent into the world to minister to, to love. It is for the people who are on the other side of the storm. The storms that we go through that test us and try us are not for our shame, but for the sake of the people who will be served by our matured and strengthened faith. Remember, trials produce endurance within us. We love God because he first loved us. And now that we know his love through Christ, we allowed our sails to be filled with his wind so that we are compelled by Jesus Christ for Jesus' sake and for others. If you've read the, the account of Jesus on the lake and the storm comes up and the, and the disciples were like you and I, they were befuddled and they were confused and Jesus was asleep and it didn't seem like it was going to work out well. And then Jesus, you know, like be still and the waves were calmed and we're all amazed Like God, Jesus stills the storm, but the point wasn't to save them. He stilled the storm. And then we got on the other side of the lake and there was a demon possessed crazy man. On the other side of the storm was actually the mission that the disciples were being filled with faith for. They were able to see the power of God at work on that boat in the midst of the storm, Jesus stilling it and taking him through that because they had work to do for others. God's power on the other side of the lake, God's power on the other side of the storm was needing to be made complete. Well, Jesus will take us through the storms that our endurance might be lifted so that we're filled with love for him and for others because there's demon-possessed, crazy, difficult, ostracized people on the other side of the lake who need to know the love of God, the power of God to come into their lives, the power of God to set them free, to take them away from the shackles that have been placed by our culture. This is why we go through storms so that we're ready to achieve the mission that he has given to each of us. And you cannot gain this real love by avoiding it. How terrible to be the disciples who said, hey, first let me go bury my father before I'll go with you, Jesus. Hey, first I've got to get my things in order and then I'll go. Those people right before that storm or right before that account and I think Matthew clearly puts those people there so we can see who didn't get to see the miracle power of God on the other side. I don't want to be those people. The people that for good reasons of avoiding difficulty, avoiding faith, didn't get to see the power of God and act on the other side of the lake. We cannot do this with more consumption Rather, gritty and real love is done by avoiding. avoiding. Oh, good job. 
one person to get it. Cultivating, revitalizing, resilience. That's how we weather the storms. And now I get to hear from you. You're going to have a few minutes to text in. So there's two questions that you might respond to. You can respond to both of them if you want. First of all, conflict. When you think about weathering storms, and as we've talked about, through faith, hope, and love, what is the spirit disrupting? Maybe you see in one of those headings there, avoidance, uh, individualism. You need community. You don't have resilience. You're trying to get out of anything that is difficult. What is the spirit disrupting? And then number two, the question, what is being confirmed in your heart? What is the spirit affirming? All right, go ahead and take the next three minutes. Text in your responses. I'll respond to a few of them. It'll be all anonymous. Um, I won't say who said what. And then we'll go to the next part. Okay, go. <clears throat> Thank you. Um, we'll I'll reference a, a couple of these. Somebody wrote, I love you, Isaac. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Let's see. I'm going to find some conflict. There's some good ones. Hmm. Conflict. I appreciate this. Sometimes the storm is so hard, man. I like that. <laughs> I'm dealing with anxiety, depression, self-control, spiritual warfare, and like, who can I actually help when I am this messed up? I know the biblical answers. I know the truth. It's just so hard to see the end of the storm when you're in it. Ooh, thank you. Conflict. <clears throat> I find it difficult to seek guidance when going through the storm because as a man, I feel the need to bottle things up and stay strong. As society is put on us as a norm, I find it very difficult to ask for help before it all bursts out into rage. That is great self-awareness. Thank you. <clears throat> Conflict. Our family needs a faith community when dealing with our trials in our life, not a community of unbelievers, as this has not helped us, it has hurt us. A recognition that the community of believers is important and maybe some reprioritization taking place. <clears throat> Conflict, hatred, and judgment of others. Hmm. Yeah. Conflict. How do you cultivate community when your personality is very individualistic and your whole life has been characterized by pull yourself up by your own bootstraps? I genuinely don't know how to seek out a community when it is needed because I've, I have always viewed my storms as my own to deal with, and it makes these storms very lonely. That is such a great assessment. And perfectly said in just like a text message that what our culture has given to us, 
which is your life is about you and good luck dealing with it and maybe you should have tried harder or there wouldn't be the storm. Oof. Hmm. Here's a conflict. What about when you get to the other end of the storm, to the people on the other side who need your faith to be strong, but you didn't learn or build faith in the storm? If you fail to grow in the storm, then what? This creates a lot of anxiety in me when I feel like I wasted faith-building opportunities and instead just grew weaker with less faith. That's, I mean, beautiful self-awareness. What I would suggest is, um, you know, what, what marks the Christian life, uh, what is so important and prominent is grace. That even when we don't learn what we should have learned, that there's grace. And, and the scriptures are full of stories of individuals who are basically experiencing what this person has experienced. You didn't learn it but God is going to be faithful to give you grace and then to build you going forward. So not looking back, but striving towards what is ahead is the big point. <clears throat> my conflict is the confusion I feel about everything going on in my life and not knowing what to do. Yes. The storm raging and not knowing what to do. If I could just say to that person, whoever it was that said that, maybe for someone else too, look to Jesus, which sounds so simplistic, but it only sounds simplistic because we're so used to very complicated bureaucratic answers in our world. We think that it's Jesus plus some sort of grand strategy that will get you through. But can I say, devote yourself to Jesus. Keep your eyes fixed on him, and he will get you through. Okay, some confirmations. Everything in my life right now is pointing towards holding fast, staying steady, weathering the storm. The storms give us the opportunity to build character and strength for times of battle. Confirming. Going through a difficult health journey, the storm, God stilled the rough waters to show me that I would beat the enemy and live. Praise God. This built up my endurance, and now I've chosen to help others in their storms. Praise the Lord, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. It probably didn't feel that way in the middle of the storm, but now you can see what God has done. Con confirmation, I've avoided a conflict a lot in my life. Who here has avoided conflict? We are conflict avoidant. We want everyone to be happy. I've spent some time in Europe, and one of my favorite stories in Europe is being in a meeting with a bunch of leaders from different countries, and the Germans were very direct and not conflict avoidant, and the Dutch were very direct and not conflict avoidant. The Americans in the room were like, okay, it's just, just everybody settle down. Do you really have to have direct opinions about things? <laughs> But this person says, however, more and more recently, I feel the spirit stirring to have faith to go into the storm, knowing he will be there regardless of what others around me say. My faith will be in him. Praise God. You are not your own protector. <laughs> I'm just 
replaying the little dance I just sit around the chair and it's amusing me. <laughs> Confirmation, being willing to go when I'm told by the Spirit, not waiting until my affairs are in order. Ooh, that's good. Okay. And one, one more. God is confirming that he has a call in my life. I can't avoid his plan. We go through every storm for a reason. We can only see it in the rearview mirror. Sometimes we like to use that rearview mirror for shame. Anybody do that? You glance up there and you're like, oh my gosh, if I would have just not done that. You know what the rearview mirror is for? Oh, God's gotten me through. God has been faithful. God was present. Actually, God was giving me good directions. I didn't listen. But you know what? Now I move ahead. You don't drive by looking in the rearview mirror, but you shouldn't glance at it to contextualize yourself. You know what I'm saying? We got all kinds of metaphors working this morning. We got all kinds of metaphors working. All right. Well, to close our time this morning, my daughter Jenna is going to join me up here. Everybody say hi, Jenna. And she is going to share some of what God has been doing in her life. So, and we worked this out together. We did. Yep. Oh, Jenna, you're so lovely. Aw. <laughs> All righty. Okay. Weathering storms. So, Jenna, you are a 2020 graduate right in the middle of COVID, and you have weathered some storms. Can you expand on that? Yeah. Um, in September of 2020, uh, my parents asked me to move out. Um, and I moved in with my grandparents who were sitting in the front row. And um, then I moved in with Jen Buckle in 2021, April. We just had our two-year anniversary living together. <laughs> Woo! Um, and then um, I've been there ever since. Yeah. So moving out. Your mother and I asking you to move out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, how was that? Tell us more. Um, I was so angry and I hated my parents. I experienced a ton of rejection and um, I said the words, I hate you many times. Um, mm. And um, it took like about a year to fully reconcile that. And um, I thought I would be like fully like, oh, everything's fine. And then something would be said and it would like trigger something in me and I'd be like, oh, I'm so angry about this again. So mm. it was a long process. Yeah, very, very challenging. Yes. Yeah. But tell us about what God was doing in your heart in life over the last few years. Um, in the first couple of months uh, of moving out, I decided to re-accept Jesus into my heart and declare him as my Lord and Savior. And um, in that, I started reading my Bible and um, expressing the struggles that I had. And it was a pretty up and down journey and pretty inconsistent journey. Yeah, it was inconsistent, but it was very real. Mm -hmm. But then this last January, you went through a major storm. Are you able to talk about that? I am. Oh, I told myself I wasn't going to cry. Everyone says that when they come up on this stage. Um, I did. I experienced a major storm. Uh, sorry, I lost my notes. Um, 
I was experiencing a very lonely time. And I chose to fill that loneliness with partying and drinking and um, hanging out with the wrong kinds of people. Um, um, I ended up having to be resurrected, not resurrected, <laughs> resuscitated by um, paramedics. And I woke up in the hospital. And that was a very scary experience. <laughs> yeah, very scary for everyone. Yes. <laughs> but you in that moment, waking up in the hospital, you had some decisions to make. And what did you do? I hid. <laughs> for three days, I did not tell my parents. And I was pretty determined to <coughs> not tell them. Um, but then family dinner came on Tuesdays, as we always have on Tuesday nights. <coughs> And I came home and I uh, told my parents. Um, and uh, eventually I told others in my life that I trust. And yeah. Wow. And even though it was hard, you decided to tell us. Mm -hmm. We're so glad you did. You decided to trust your parents. Tell us what you've come to realize about your parents and our faith. Um, my parents put their whole faith and trust in Jesus, and they have always been the best example of that for me. Um, I didn't initially confess with the um, idea that I would stop partying. I was still on the fence because I was lonely and I wanted friends. Um, but then I realized I needed to fully stop partying and put my faith and trust in Jesus again. Wow. And then the other side of that decision, walking through that, Another big and unexpected door swung open. It How did indeed. It did indeed. Um, my parents invited me into the decision of moving to Pennsylvania. Um, and I am intuitive. I always have been. And about a week before they told me, I sensed that a move was coming. Um, and I was right. <laughs> <laughs> For the third time in your life. For the third time in my life and yes. many other times. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, okay. And uh, yeah, we felt like we needed to invite you to come with us and to move into our home in Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. And we didn't think that you would want to, but this invitation struck a chord with you. Tell us that. Tell us more. Immediately, when my parents told me, I said yes. A thousand times yes. Um, I felt very excited to be reinvited into the home, and it felt like a full circle moment. Um, and it, eventually, I begged my parents to say yes. I was like, please, <laughs> can we please just make a decision already? Um, I've said yes, you can say yes too. Um, and I just continually feel so excited about the new possibility um, and the new, the endless possibility of living with my parents and moving and trusting in Jesus as it's a, Crazy thing to say, you're moving 3,000 miles away. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Full circle, mm -hmm. as you said. It's really amazing to see all that God has done. Mom and I have prayed. You have prayed, and now we can see that God has helped us to weather a series of storms. Mm -hmm. Now, your baptism on Easter, it wasn't planned, but it does feel so perfectly timed. Care to comment? Yeah. When you, my dad, said, is anyone else going to be baptized? I looked up and my hand was raised and I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and um, I'm concluding my time in Salem with a fresh new beginning. And I'm just so thankful um, and excited for what comes next. Wow. 
It's really, really incredible. We love you, Dada. Oh, love you. <laughs> Now, what have Um, I have learned uh, God has protected me. God has never abandoned me. And he is the anchor that we can trust in the storm. <clears throat> Praise God. And thank you for your courage, Jenna, to share. You are walking well in the way of the Hovitz. We are just who we are, <laughs> all of it. Jesus gives us permission to tell the worst things about ourselves. Because we believe that when we know the worst thing about you, we're going to love you more and not less. Whew, powerful. Thank you.